stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right, They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS, Energy Drink, Sprint Cars. Joining you, as always, I am Rob Blount from Dirt Vision, and alongside of me, the PR god of the World of Outlaws, Mr. Nick Graziano. I'm here. How's it going? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Much better than last week. Yeah, well, that's you sound better. Yeah. There is that. And we had sprint car racing. And we had sprint car I think racing. that's what it was. There was no sprint car racing. Made me sick. Sprint car racing, better. It's like the SNL skit. Like, you had a fever, but your only prescription was more, more sprint, sprint car cars. racing. Need more sprint cars. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty uh, pretty entertaining, like side usually is. Uh, I'm trying. That's not the results. There it is. I was, I was on the points page, because I know how to navigate our own website. Not that it's the website's fault. Sometimes I'm just dumb. Well, I mean, you said it, not me. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I did say it. I did say it. You know who else would agree with me? Like, a lot of people. So it's okay. This <laughs> <laughs> is only the truth, you know? Um, You're very bright, Rob. Very bright. Sure. Bright sure. star. Bright as a burned out light bulb. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it was a, a, a very fun race. Great finish, I thought. Um, it was just nice to have sprint cars back. Yeah, it was a great race, too. Um, it looked like Kerry might run away with it. I know he's going to be pretty fast, but then all of a sudden, Gio just found fourth gear. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, Giovanni Selzy went and took the victory. Donnie Schatz ended up passing his teammate late, takes second. Kerry, who dominated most of the race, ended up finishing third. It was a fun time. Um, and uh, going back to our conversations about podium uh, photos, now, this is another great one to look at because Carrie's like six feet away from the other two in the photo for, for the podium photo. So angry to start a social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one thing I notice here is uh, the 49 finished in sixth and the two car finished in ninth. And uh, now it's back up to 98 points. Yeah. And if it stays that way after this weekend, it's, it's all Brad. It's all Brad. I think it's only got to be 96 points or something like that, um, and he's good to go for Charlotte. Four races left. Lawton Speedway Friday night, Devil's Bowl Speedway Saturday night, and then the NGK, NTK, World of Outlaws World Finals at the dirt track at Charlotte Motor Speedway to round out the season. That's a fun way to say it. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Thank you. I, I wasn't actually going for that i was trying to decide if i was going to use the motor speedway uh or i don't think they do but Charlotte. they that's, don't that's, for the dirt track yeah. but i just feel weird saying because you know why it's in concord so it's always weird <laughs> the dirt track at charlotte in concord like if you say it's charlotte motor speedway i feel like it makes a little bit more sense cause i mean technically right it the is at charlotte motor speedway so yeah exactly it's part it's on the property it's right across the street from the speedway it's it's the dirt track at Charlotte Motor Speedway, I just always found it weird. Maybe they shortened it just because they would have run out of the out of room on the suites building. They started painting like, "Oh, guys, we're we're not gonna fit." It's all like of when that. you're like, "All right, seven just, just call it Charlotte." 
It's like when you're seven years old and you're <laughs> writing a poster and you start off really big and then the rest of it trails off really small at the end because you had to fit everything in. Oh, so that's why it's the dirt track at Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wow, we can't fit, fit the motor speedway in here. Um, if there's any truth to this, Marcus Smith, give us a call. I'd love to know. Yeah. May have you on as a guest. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a great time. <laughs> I'm sure he listens to us all the time. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't. You know, uh, I don't know. But yeah, four races left, and that's it. And then uh, we're off for a little while, and then we'll get right back to it. Right back to it. Next season will be here before we know it. Only a few long months. I, yeah. Our break this year was kind of closing in on that again. It was a little bit shorter. A little bit. It wasn't as long as the uh, the COVID shutdown was last year, which was, I think, three days shorter than the actual offseason was entering the 2020 season. Yeah, pretty much. I think it was 94 days was the length of that shutdown, and 97 days was the length of the actual offseason in between 2019 and 2020. That's crazy. I didn't even know that number. I was just... Uh, we When we did the return to racing at Knoxville on the 8th last year of May, um, Dave Reef and I sat down to script out the uh, intro for that night's broadcast. And we were just trying to find crazy stats to make that whole time period sound as crazy as it was for all of us. Um, And I was like, this has been a long time. I wonder how long it actually is, like how close it compared to the off season. So I counted up all the days and it was like three short. Wow. Yeah. It was a long time. I don't think this year got clo- as close to that. I think we were about 70 days. I think we were shut shut down this year between the rain, the ice in Texas that has rescheduled this race weekend to, to now. That's right. Um, and then the the rescheduling that we had to do because we still couldn't go out west in the, in the spring this year. Uh, it was not as long as last year's was, but it was still pretty lengthy. Just enough to be annoying. Yes, exactly. Uh, make us all wish we were out running sprint cars because we knew that we could. Last year, we didn't know if we could. This year, we knew we could. We just, other things were happening to prevent it. Snow in Texas. Who would have thought? Thankfully, that does not seem to be in the cards for this week, uh, which is good. And we'll uh, we'll have some fun in Oklahoma and Texas. And have some fun is what we just did uh, a couple minutes ago. We just got off the phone with Wayne Johnson, and now we're prepared to let you all hear that interview, which was a, a really great time. And yes, we addressed the topic. Yes. Yes, the one we're all sure you wanted to hear about, which is how often he gets to go home during the season. Exactly. Yep, that was the one. <laughs> Has nothing to do with any other driver. Uh, definitely not the former driver of the 83 car. Uh, we just talked about you know, how it is getting home and uh, racing at home again. Yep. Right? Yep. That's it. That's, That's it. It's a good one, though. It was a great one. He had a, a lot to say about uh, getting getting home. Yeah. He definitely didn't uh, call us out for asking about going home. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a lot of fun, and we're not going to procrastinate any longer. Uh, so let's get to it, Nick. Here's Wayne Johnson. We are joined now by Wayne Johnson, who is sitting currently 11th in points, closing out his second full-time season with the World of Outlaws. Wayne, it's been a 
pretty solid year for you. A lot of growth uh, from from last year to this year. How, how are you feeling about everything as we're getting ready to wind this year down? Well, definitely still not happy with, uh, you know, the whole package, I guess you could say. But definitely a step up from last year. Um, you know, we've, we've had some speed at times, and then uh, there's times that we still struggled. But, uh, you know, I say this all the time, uh, you know, the outlaw deal is not a one or two year plan. It takes time. And, you know, you, you, all you got to do is look at Logan, you know, it took them a few years and look where they're at now. You know, they're in contention to win races every, every night. So, uh, unfortunately I'm 50 years old. I don't know if I have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of people might not realize some of these things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, they don't always see as I know, like, uh, you guys found like uh, some issues with the Jacob ladder mount and went through a lot of different try- trying to find w- what the right engine package was for you. Do you feel like this year you were able to finally kind of have no issues like that and just start to really build upon notes? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we did have some issues last year with our car. We had three different engine builders last year and over the winter we really went to work and uh, you know, Paul Kistler does all our engines now. So all of our engines are exactly the same. So basically you know, that's one thing we don't worry about. We just plug and play, basically. You know, we know we've been to anglers. We know what, you know, when you detune these things, what it does. And there's just a lot of variables that we really didn't know going into last year that uh, these guys do. You know, racing 360s, we never detuned. And there's a lot of this that goes on out there. And, and just there was a lot of knowledge and learning. And, uh, you know, I'm not making excuses, but we're still learning. You know, it's it's tough. It's, uh, you know, there's a reason these guys are out here on the outlaw trail because they are the best and, you know, the mechanics included and, uh, not taking anything away from my guys because, uh, they were doing a great job and I'm happy, uh, the way they're doing everything. But, you know, we're all new to this, you know, none of these guys have been out there before. Uh, when you say you had three engine builders last year, was that by design or was that like you started off the year with one and things just weren't going right? So you made a change and then kind of repeated that again uh what was the reasoning behind that well charlie fisher had always done my 360s for years and he's a great friend of mine but he just told me so wayne i can't keep up with uh the engines if you're going to run the outlaw deal you know i don't have enough manpower at the shop or time so he talked me into into buying some uh riders and uh that's how it kind of started so we had riders and fishers at first and then uh just didn't really feel like i was on anything and then we got a paul kissler engine and i really liked it and we started to run a little better so then we tra- we changed our focus and tried to sell all that other stuff off to get all of paul's stuff and then it just it was growth in the team and it just became what we needed and you know uh watching the 41 car with their kisslers and and i really didn't know paul that well and and you know he's just great with 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 his teams that he you know he has engines with you can pick up he can you can pick up or you can call him and pick up the phone any he'll pick up the phone anytime uh in the middle of the night or whatever to help you and and that's what we really needed we needed somebody that uh, had motors out on the outlaw deal him and tim engler are really really close and that helped us go into the chassis dyno to learn like i say the detuning part of it and it was just uh it wasn't designed to have three engine builders but just worked out that way and then Finally, we just decided that uh, we have to, when you change motors, you know, you got to take that variable out of it because they all run basically the same. 
Obviously, this year you've had uh, a really, his career best, 10 top 10s, I believe it is, so far this year. Uh, a lot of good runs of leading laps. Uh, I know Lernerville was one that probably stands out. Uh, for a lot of us, it's a lot of fun to to watch that yeah. race and watch you up front and battle with those guys. What I, For you, being able to do that and be a part of something like that, what's that like? What's What does that do for you? Well, it's just definitely confidence. You know, this you get beat up every night. You know, I'm... You know, back in, you know, we go go back two years ago and we're winning races, you know, pretty much, I shouldn't say every weekend, but a lot, you know, we're winning a lot of races. And when you ain't won a, when you haven't won a race in two years, basically, uh, you know, it takes a toll on you as a driver. Do I not, do I not know what I'm doing or have I, you know, has it passed me over or, you know, all the things that goes through a driver's head. Well, you know, when you have those good runs, you know, oh man, I can do this. And the confidence just builds confidence and confidence and uh, you know, and it stems over because when you're talking about Lernerville, go back to the night before at Eldora with Brian Kim and all helping us. And he he helped me a ton. And, you know, he doesn't do much different to the car than what I normally would do. But it takes all the pressure off of me of making all the decisions and just let me focus on driving the car. But it trickled over into Lernerville the next night uh, with the, you know, having confidence because we ran well the next night also, you know. Can you be a little bit more specific about like how he helped you that night at Eldora and what carried over for you? Well, really and truly, and like I say, uh, for me, I make all the uh, all the calls. Uh, you know, basically, I am the crew chief and the driver. I have done that my whole racing career. I've never really had crew chiefs or anything. I've tried guys, and it didn't work, or this, that, and the other. But me and Brian really seem to click, and we have a lot of same thought processes and. You know, and I say it, you got to be a good, cheer, you know, the crew chief got to be a good, chill, good cheerleader. And, you know, he's telling me on the racetrack, you know, we go out to hot lap and I came in at Eldor and I said, I'm over the right front. And he had already started making adjustments because he's seen it. Hmm. And so just really more than anything, honestly, he having him there takes the burden burden off of me of having to make all those calls. And I can just focus on driving the car. And it's just keep your mind clear, more clear. Honestly, I mean, it, I don't know many of the drivers are out there that, that have to, you know, that try to do everything and make all the calls and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago confidence, uh, and you also mentioned your age a little bit ago as well. So what made you feel, I guess I'd say confidence. What made you feel confident enough to go full time for the first time with the world of outlaws, uh, at, 48 49 years old i mean it it turned into a rookie of the year season which is great but what made you feel like now was the time to do that versus uh a few years ago i mean i'm looking at your stat sheet and i see that you made 21 starts as long ago as 2002 so how come you didn't do it then and you waited until now well actually more than anything it'd be financial reasons uh never had the money or a car owner or a sponsor that we felt like we could do it and financially go do it and be kind of successful at that time. You know, we just, we just didn't have the budget. And, uh, going back to last year, Todd and Kelly, Todd's been one of my sponsors for a long time. We've been friends for 25 years and we had, he had kind of, you know, with ASCS and then picking and choosing four tens and this and that and the other, he was just kind of done and not really having much fun doing that anymore, even though we were winning 10, 12 races a year or whatever you want to say. And, he just said, you know, I think we're going to go do the outlaw deal. And what it was more than anything is, you know, everybody wants to be a professional at whatever you do. 
and the outlaws are definitely the most professional series out there uh the package with the tow money and all the perks that come along with being being an outlaw platinum member we looked at all that and you know financially really it makes the most sense because you make the most money every night you know uh so basically that's what it was i've never did it before just because we never financially could uh, do it and uh todd me and Todd sat down and put a budget together a year ago and thought we could run it for the budget we had. And, and, uh, we started off and, and we, we accomplished it, but then the race, you know, then the season ended up being what 52 or three races last year. So we actually come a little under budget. So felt, felt confident that we could do it again this year. And, and, uh, you know, I think we're staying within our budget. Uh, unfortunately, um, this is going into another thing, but I don't know that we're going to be back next year just because it's uh pretty expensive and we uh you know without some help uh you know todd and kelly pay for everything that uh it might i'm not sure where we're at right now Rousley, i hate to see that i also love seeing you out there um i guess it kind of go off what what was your always your your long-term goal or your plan with the team obviously just knowing uh your age kind of what their capabilities were hopefully we can see you back uh next year and for future years too but i guess in your mind did you always see yourself going quite a while still trying to race for them as much as you can or i know you talked a little bit before maybe working as almost like a team principal in a sense too well right now uh you know i'm uh, i'm i still like i'm still in pretty good shape i still go to the gym as much as possible uh, you know, COVID kind of kicked me in the butt there for a little while, and it took me a minute to kind of get my bearings back uh, with energy and that kind of thing. But I feel like we're back to doing that. But uh, I still feel like I can do it. I still feel like I can win races at this level. Just I've got to have all the tools in place to do it. I mean, just like all the other teams. But we had talked about at one point, uh, you know, maybe reversing into a leadership role and maybe hiring a driver. Uh, a funded driver of course because we just you know if we're, if we're going to fund this whole thing ourselves then i'd probably still be driving but eventually uh i'm not sure where where it leads just uh, i still feel like i can do it a couple more years maybe even longer uh just gotta i just all like you said earlier the confidence when we run up front it gives me the confidence and makes me want to do it more and more and more so hopefully we can finish out the year here strong and and uh, go in the off season. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but but uh, if we finish strong, maybe that'll be the push that pushes us over to come back again next year. What sort of advice, or maybe not advice is even the wrong thing, but what is your what was your takeaway from your rookie season? Like, um, was it what you expected it to be as far as a difficulty level? Did it surpass what you kind of expected it to be? And um, what sort of thing would you say? For those who are going to be entering the the series as a rookie next year, is like something that they should watch out for that maybe they they're not even looking at as, as a as a potential thing. Well, I can honestly say it surpassed uh, the competition level. I really felt like that you know we we're a pretty strong team and we had won races you know basically all over the country, three sixty, four ten. Uh, just felt like that we could come in and, and, and make our mark right away. And man, I'm telling you, I was, I was blown away that, you know, heck you guys know at first we couldn't even hardly keep up. And I was like, man, we are, we're way off. And so honestly, more than anything, the competition level is superior every, you know, no matter what, I mean, uh, there's 10 of these guys that 
just they never give up. I mean, you take a breath and you get past the three cars, you know, or however you want to say it. But week in or race in and race out, you have to be 100% every time if you want to compete at this level. So it, my opinion would be, you know, if you think you're just going to come out here and dominate, you're not. So you don't want to come out with that mentality because it beats you down really quickly. I would say if you're coming out to run this thing for the first time, just uh, focus on trying to be as competitive as possible right away and then uh, put in the time and all the hard work. And, and I think it'll all come just like us. You know, we're starting to to show more speed and get much better. And we're, what are we, uh, 130 races in now since last year? Right. Uh, obviously, you've been racing for a while and knew a lot of these guys before, probably. But is, is there any one of them that maybe uh, surprised you when you got to know them a little bit more, whether uh, in a good way, bad way, as uh, maybe someone that uh, ended up helping you, you wouldn't have even expected to have? No, not really. You know, I've known all these guys uh, since <laughs> most of them were little kids, <laughs> honestly. But, but uh, you know, not really. Everybody's been really helpful. I mean, I know they give me crap sometimes about, uh, you know, uh, just being out here being as old as i am or whatever and i can remember being the youngest guy showing up at the racetrack and now basically i'm the oldest or one of the oldest but uh not really you know i've become friends with a lot of them uh it's hard to be friends with the drivers so much i mean we're all i don't know how you, you know we're competitors so we hate each other at times <laughs> and we love each other at times and but you know uh, me and jake side been friends for 30 years and Craig, you know, I've known Craig since he was a little boy running around with his, you know, going up down the road with his dad. But for the most part, uh, you know, all everyone gets along pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say that there's anything that that's been bad or good either way. Just that, uh, you know, it's just like a big family out on the road and we all try to take care of each other. If this does uh, end up being your, your last season with us for a little while, uh, what's going to be your, your lasting memory from your, uh, two years running full-time at the world of outlaws? Uh, my lasting memory is going to be getting my ass whooped every night, honestly, <laughs> 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 but no, just honestly, the camaraderie with everyone we have, you know, running all the other series, you know, there, there's, there's basically the same style of camaraderie and everything, but with the outlaw guys, you know, we're not one of them have ever you know i guess you could say been rude or or whatever we you know it's always a respect thing so i think the respects let this respect level out on the road i mean i think that's what i'm going to take away more than anything uh i think every one of the guys respect each other a lot i mean you can it, it shows in the way we race each other uh you know and and it goes to show you how good they are you know i made a comment to somebody the other night you know we went to a local show uh we had, when we had the week off and it was like, it seemed like 35 caution flag laps or reds or whatever. And I'm like, you know, you go to an outlaw race and if you get a yellow flag, it's a shocker sometimes, you know what I mean? There's, there's races that you never get a red flag. So it just goes to show you the respect level out on the road. I think some people might throw things at us if we don't ask. Um, obviously Aaron Reichel is back racing again. Is, is that everything? <laughs> is it under the bridge or over the bike? Whoever you want to say it now with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, I respect Aaron Rice. I think he's a damn good race car driver. Uh, I think he's, you know, I don't know so much anymore that he's really, I mean, I'm not even sure how to say this, but uh, 
he, you know, he, he was looking to have a pretty good career in sprint car racing. Uh, and I still hope him the best because, you know, it's tough out here to get sponsors and all that stuff. But basically I'll say it quite frankly, when you're that big of an asshole, it's hard to get help. <laughs> and I think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to struggle getting sponsors and, and people to help him just because he does have a bad attitude in my opinion. Uh, but you can't take, anything away from what he does behind the wheel because he's def- definitely a good race car driver. After the the incident that you guys had, when he got busted for the, the cheating incident, was that was your reaction like, well, there, there's karma for you or something? Well, of course. You know, I said that. I'm, I'm sure everyone said that. But I just thought just one more strike, you know, that's what I thought about it. Just one more strike against him with, with what he's trying to do for a living, you know. Uh, you just, I just feel like you, with, with what we do, you can't burn bridges. And I've always yeah. said that I've been doing this for, I think 36 years now. And I still can pick up the phone and call any sponsor, any car owner, anyone that's ever worked for me. You just can't burn bridges and do this for a long time. So if, I mean, I, I mean, I wish the guy would think about some of the stuff that he does because you know, he's good for our sport, no doubt about it. For sure. Um, look at a more positive note, in a sense. Uh, we're going to uh, back to your home state uh, this weekend, obviously, uh, heading to Oklahoma, then Texas area. Uh, is it always nice kind of getting back to the home area and probably seeing some friends and family? Oh, definitely. You know, that's the part I was kind of giggling at. I don't remember. Somebody posted it was 16-hour drive from Pennsylvania to to uh, Kansas City for a one-day show, and I'm like, guys, I've been doing that all year. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not a one-day one show, but I've been doing that all year. So it was good to get back to Kansas City. You know, Lawton's only 70 miles from my house. Um, so the thing about it is is the, the fans and the friends, and it's overwhelming when I get that close to home. There's so many people there. But, uh, you know, last year, even as bad as we were with our cars and everything, when we came to – Lawton and Devil's Bowl, two of the racetracks that I grew up racing the most, you know, that's where we had our better runs. You know, I got my first top 10 at Devil's Bowl this late in the season last year. So, you know, the confidence of going to those racetracks are, you know, like I said earlier, it's confidence because I've raced there so much. Even when the car is bad, we still ran decent. So, but no, it's, it's definitely good to be home. I'm home now, been home for a couple of weeks other than just bouncing up to Lakeside and back. Um, you know, there's if if for instance I get to run with you guys again next year, I'm coming home a lot more than I did this year. I can tell you that. So how do you work that out then? Um, like you you say you say if if you run with us next year, you're going to be going home a lot more. How do you find the time to do that uh, versus a year like this year? Is it just having the knowledge of uh, you know what? we probably could have made the trek back uh, this week and and I regret not doing it? Or is it just placing an extra priority on making sure that you get home, even if it means an extra over an overnight drive? Well, you know, the boy, I don't travel with the boys in the rig. Uh, You know, I travel in my motor home. So, uh, and I did that this this year thinking, you know, that would help. And it definitely did help, but, uh, knowing this year or knowing the schedule and how it works um you know and it's expensive being on the road that's really where it's came into place for me just staying out on the road even though in the motorhome 
you eat out a lot, you spend a lot of money and I could use that money to fly home on a Sunday and then fly back in on a Thursday and, and have some kind of a normal life. I tell you, that was, I can honestly say that is one of the toughest things that I've ever had to do this year, being a full-time outlaw driver with a full schedule. I didn't get the whole uh, aspect of it last year at all because we only ran 53 races. So, you know, as soon as nationals were over and, and, uh, you know, you're like, holy, we still got how many races to go? <laughs> and just that, I mean, that's been a biggest part of it, honestly. And you asked me something I would, you know, tell somebody first year coming out is don't plan on going home or, you know, or try to go home as much as you can, but it's, it's just, there's a lot. I mean, like, uh, when we went to California, and then, you know, you look at the schedule and you go, oh, man, we're going all the way back to Pennsylvania for two weeks. Oh, brother. But that's what I meant. Just, you know, what I plan on doing is if we've got to do it again, uh, say when we're at the Grove and then the next weekend we're at Port, I sit out the motorhome in Pennsylvania all week long and uh, where I could have flown home and, and uh, had a little bit of normalcy, you know, back home. And that that's the stuff that I, I think uh, would make me a better racer because you just get it's just, I don't even know what the word is, just bored to death, basically, on the road. <laughs> and it's, I just think it, uh, you know, Donnie Schatz goes home after every weekend. I mean, I realize he's got his own jet airplane, but it makes a difference. I know sometimes uh, for fun, you'll talk with maybe Carlton or some of the officials about uh, best fishing places or things like that. Is there something you found on the road to try and keep that normalcy, things that you found that are fun to do along the way? You, you know, there's so much stuff to do. My daughter was with me all summer. And we did everything. Uh, you know, we went to Niagara Falls when we were out in New York, uh, Hershey Park when we were in Pennsylvania, uh, the Arch in St. Louis, the Mall of America. Uh, and I know I'm forgetting half the stuff we've done, but just trying to stay busy, you know, uh, that way you're not just sitting around. But, uh, you know, I don't really have a hobby. Uh, my hobby is going to the races that's what i like to do and uh you know i go i go fishing every once in a while but it's not something i want to do daily or even weekly so uh i just think when you're doing what we do you got to be all in uh to to focus uh the arch in st louis did you go all the way to the top Yes. What did you think of that elevator? I, I mean, I don't get claustrophobic, but I got claustrophobic in that thing. It's a weird thing. <laughs> well, uh, it's like a dryer tub. That's what I thought it was. I yeah. thought I was getting in the dryer, honestly. But uh, no, nah, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I'm i definitely not claustrophobic, but I'm definitely scared of heights. So mm-hmm. when I when I got to the top of it, it was a little, you know, it, I didn't really care about looking out the window too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I'm kind of the same way. The, I, I got over it, and the view was really cool, though. That was uh, The arch is a cool thing. I would recommend a lot of people do that. But, uh, Wayne, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out of your day and your, your week here at home uh, to speak with us. Uh, we're, we're glad you're doing better after uh, battling COVID there for a little while. And uh, hopefully you can uh, round out the season really well, and maybe we'll get to, to see at a few, if not all of them, next year. Well, that's I'm hoping that that uh, that's what happens. But like I say, we're, we're just trying to finish out the year. Hopefully we can finish out strong and uh, give you guys some more uh, ammo to talk about on the show. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you no so fights. much. No more, no more fights. Yeah, no yeah, more yeah. Fights. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Wayne. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for having me. 
yeah, as we said at the start of this thing, uh, I told y'all it was going to be a fun time. Um, that was a lot of fun. It's, it, I knew it would be a good time with Wayne. Anytime talking with Wayne is a fun time. If if you ever see him at the track, just go up to him. and he'll, he'll ha- He's one of those guys. Let's have a conversation with him. It'll be a good time. It'll be worth it. I won't lie. I had honestly completely forgotten about the uh, the incident between he and Mr. Aaron Reitzel. And um, I, I, it wasn't like I wasn't going to not ask it. I had just forgotten about it somehow. It just completely slipped my mind. That whole thing even took place. And then once you were like, okay, uh, if we don't ask this question, people are going to like throw stuff at us the next time they see us. And I was like, where's he going with this? And then you said bike. And I don't know whether you said that word on purpose or not. Um, at that point, yes, the throw stuff at us, I didn't re- make the connection. Like, oh, that kind of works that way too. But then I, I thought, oh, I got to throw the bike in there. That's okay. So I'm like, Oh, yeah. That did happen. I know exactly where he's going, and I'm so proud of him. <laughs> and he, I mean, he answered it great. I mean, I felt like a, a genuine, honest answer, but um, still, Toad probably could have said more. Uh, I'm sure if we I'm, weren't on uh, recording. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, we probably heard, would have heard more. But yeah, it, it was it was a good answer, good uh, diplomatic answer with some real honesty to it. Still, um, and it, like I said, it. it it's been a while. Uh, we just threw it out there just to address it. I'm sure some people would have wanted to hear about it. So I think now it's under the bridge or over the bike or however we want to. <laughs> oh, riding the bike over the moon. I, I I don't think he said anything anything that was not truthful there either. Like, I mean, he's not wrong that Aaron is good for sprint car racing. He's a, a superb talent. Um the rest of it, whether those, you could argue whether his feelings on the rest of it is true or not. I mean, it's his opinions on things, but um, I, I don't think he said anything even remotely wrong or out of line in anything. Well, even said. Aaron has said in interviews and in his uh, when he got back into the car that hey, if people are looking for the villain, he's he's fine being that guy if he's got to be that guy. There always needs to be one somewhere, right? Yep. Someone's got to wear the black hat. Uh, he does seem to wear it pretty well. So, I mean, t- to be honest, the jailbreak tour is pretty catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's recap um, this past Friday's race at Lakeside Speedway. Um, you know, not to not to change subjects because we don't love talking about all all the spicy stuff, but we should probably. Recap last week's race. Yeah, which does involve uh, Aaron Rachel still. Indeed it does. Because uh, he scored a top five. He did. And uh, Gio, our, our winner, uh, actually thanked him for helping him. Yeah, he win did. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Gio had a, I, f- I forgot all about that, man. There's been um, so much stuff going on as we're preparing here internally for the World Short Track Championship um, at the dirt track at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, and the NGK and TK World Finals that, like, we watch the races and then just almost forget about them. Like, right it almost feel like it happened, like, a month ago. Yeah, and it was, oh, what's today, Tuesday? Yeah. That was Friday? I'm not going to do the math. That's, what, four days? Yep. Yes. I did the math anyway, and I got it right. We're on the fourth day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Tonight would be the fourth night. <laughs> yes. So yes. No. I'm on the right, it's right I'm in on some the right sense. track, yeah. Um, it's like... I just sometimes forget what happens in the race. And yeah, they did uh 
They did have a little bit of a run in there, Gio and Aaron did. But uh, like you said, it motivated him a little bit more just to get back up on the wheel and uh, go after it again, which he did. I mean, you can see, uh, you can physically see uh, the front wing and a little bit of a, a bend into it. So whatever little contact they made there, but it didn't hurt him. If I was a better uh, podcast host and producer and had a better memory, I would have remembered that uh, this took place and clipped out the audio to play for you. Um, but since I'm I'm not that good, I will just tell you to go to the vault on Dirt Vision and just go watch go watch Friday's feature. And then go watch Gio's interview right after in Victory Lane because it was great. It's a great interview, and it's just, it was a great Victory Lane too. It's always fun when guys are super excited like that, and then just have uh, just go, just have fun with it. Really, what I admire is at Gio's age how ballsy he already is. Oh yeah, like and and I don't mean his racing style on the track, which I, I do in a little in a little bit. I mean he he is aggressive, but I've I've never seen him not really race respectfully. Um, but to be as, as young as he is and already be proving, I'm not going to be intimidated by someone who's a a multi-time, uh, champion, uh, in, in this sport. Uh, I'm not going to let them push me around and I'm not going to not talk back either. I just think it's really impressive. One thing I found really surprising, uh, going back to, uh, our episode we had with, uh, Gio Selzy in the interview, how we talked about, uh, working with Bernie like how much that meant to him, uh, but actually, uh, Bernie isn't on the crew anymore. Um, what I've heard is he was let go. Um, he has a new crew chief, which he's crew chief. He's now one for one uh, this weekend, and unfortunately, his name is escaping me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but you'll see that in the interview if you go back and watch it. But that, that was kind of surprising, uh, just how relationships like that kind of uh, have such an ebb and flow in racing. Really, yeah, they really do. Um, I agree. That's surprising to me too. Because I didn't know about it until just now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, was he still running a Toyota? Uh, I don't know if that was the Toyota engine in it or not. Um, I believe Rachel had a Toyota in his car. I know uh, they were supposed to be working with him before when he was with the 83, uh, so I'm guessing they're still working with him now. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure if Gio had the Toyota in or not. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, uh, to run down the top 10 from Friday's race at Lakeside Speedway, uh, as we've already mentioned, Giovanni Selzy got the victory, uh, used a late race pass on a late race restart to get by Kerry Madsen, uh, who ended up falling back to third because his teammate Donnie Schatz got by to finish second. Kerry Madsen finished third, Aaron Reitzel fourth, Logan Schuhart rounded at the top five. Your points leader, Brad Sweet, finished in sixth. Craig Kinzer in 7th, Carson Macedo 8th, David Gravel in ninth, and Jacob Allen completed the top 10. Uh, your lap leaders on the evening, Kerry Madsen led laps 1 through 26. If it was a 25-lap race at Lakeside, he was good plus 1, but unfortunately it was a 30-lap race. Giovanni Selzy got by him to lead lap 27, 28, 29, and 30. Uh, your KSC Hard Charger Award, uh, that belongs to James McFadden, who gained 12 spots to finish 11th after starting in 23rd. And as we mentioned earlier on in this show, uh, David Gravel with his ninth place run and Brad Sweet with his sixth place run uh, now finds himself 98 points back with four races remaining. It was not the night that the driver from Connecticut needed. Now it's like we've been talking about. It just those nights when Brad isn't in the top five or uh, isn't as and what winning uh, I'm trying to find 
way to want to say here, and winning contention, I guess. <laughs> uh, those are the nights that Gravel really needed to step up and be in winning contention and get those wins and gain those points. But it's just he stayed close, but just not close enough to kind of hold Brad down and put him in a chance to steal a championship from him. Yes, I mean, at least if you're going to finish in ninth, it's not like Brad went up there and won or, or got a podium, uh, so it wasn't that big of a loss, but it was a loss nonetheless when at this point he needs to be making all gains. Uh, four races remaining. Uh, we go to Lawton Speedway in Oklahoma this Friday night. Devil's Bowl Speedway, where it all began for the World of Outlaws way, way back. Uh, we go there on Saturday, and then we close out the season with... Three nights of action, two nights of feature races at the dirt track at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the NGK NTK World Finals. And then we crown a champion, and then we wait a little bit, as we said before, and do it all again come February next year at the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park. We'll have the uh, our uh, World of Outlaw bash uh, for ourselves. It's more of an internal thing, uh, kind of our banquet version uh, of a banquet this year. It's not exactly a full-on formal banquet like usual, doing something a little more party-like, a little more fun. We'll have uh, after the World Finals. Um, what is a I, banquet version of a banquet? Um, it's not really a banquet, but it's like a banquet. <laughs> I'll let you know after we have this uh, bash, we're, as we're calling it. But <laughs> Nick, I'd just like you to know that we're both as as bright as a oh, yeah. light bulb. I mean, honestly, I feel like after you go to it, you're like, oh, you know, he's right. That was a banquet was version a of banquet a banquet. Version of a banquet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that saying in mind because it's not now. really a banquet, but it is a banquet. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm gonna keep that phrase in mind now because for whatever odd reason, I love it. I mean, it somehow I don't know why I just do perfectly makes sense. Yes, it's perfectly not confusing. Yes. Um, and now this day has come completely full circle for us. Uh, before we let you go, we just got to talk to you real quick about our friends at Manscaped because as we all know, the holiday season is right around the corner and if you were looking for a gift for at that special person or maybe you just want to send some sort of message, uh, you need to go to manscaped.com, use the promo code OPENRED20, get yourself 20% off, plus free shipping of their new Performance Package 4.0, featuring the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, uh, also a very nice travel bag, so if you actually give it to them before the holiday travel even begins, they can take it with them using that very nice travel bag, and uh, clean up on the go because it comes with a nice uh, cleanup mat. Uh, to make sure that you're not leaving any clippings behind. And all of that, again, you can get at manscaped.com using the promo code OPENRED20, 20% off, plus free shipping. Uh, it's perfect for vacation time. Like you said, you get the travel bag, then you get all the grooming stuff for your vacation time. So it's perfect timing, really. Uh, the sun's going to be setting a lot earlier than uh, than it has throughout the last few months. So the good thing is the the lawnmower 4.0 comes with a nice little LED light on it. I I, I guess in case you lose power. Oh, well, there you I'm go. Gonna I mean, ass, I'm gonna assume if you're that someone with a big snowstorm, you know, that's true. Break out that's your true. lawnmower and boom, light. You, you still have to groom even if there's no power. Yeah. Right. Or you know, you could go as maybe a manscaper for Halloween, and then you're going around. Or maybe don't do that. <laughs> what are you for Halloween? I am the new lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, man, <laughs> you just completely derailed me with that <laughs> one. 
Uh, you can get tickets for our remaining four races by heading to worldofoutlaws.com or charlottemotorspeedway.com to get yourself tickets for world finals. I know that there's still some left, uh, but they're going to go pretty quickly. So make sure you go and do that. If you are planning on coming to Concord, North Carolina for the NGK NTK world finals to watch us crown three champions throughout the weekend between the world of outlaws, NOS energy drink, sprint cars, the world of outlaws, Morton buildings, late models, and the beasts of the Northeast, the super dirt car series, big block modifieds. Always a fun weekend, one of my favorite weekends on the year, although now it's a bit bittersweet because I know that it marks the end of my racing season. Yeah, but at least we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot going on those three days, not just with the three divisions of racing, but there's going to be a lot going on for fans all around the track, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of different activities. Uh, it's like you said, it's a can't miss weekend for sure. Absolutely. Make sure you go and get yourself some tickets. If not, uh, we will do our best on Dirt Vision to make it feel like you are not missing out on any of the action throughout those final four races. So tune up Dirt Vision. Make sure you're tuned in. And uh, I don't know why I said tune up, I meant tune in. Um, uh, get a tune up for your we're the ones that uh, TV to tune it up, you yeah. know. That's true. My TV broke like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, so uh, tune up your TV. Get, get get on it now. Yeah. Get it tuned up, and then you can watch World Finals next week. My beautiful 65-inch 4K TV, the backlight burnt out on it, and it's it's not even that old. It's like maybe five years old, um, and I am devastated. Hmm. Well, so maybe crushed. You can use your uh, lawnmower 4.0 and put the light back there, and boom, you're good to go again. I guess I'll give it a shot. Anything, you know. <laughs> On that note, it's definitely time to end before we uh, head even further off the rails. Uh, as always, my name is Rob Blount from Dirt Vision. I am Nick Graziano. And we will catch you next week to recap two nights of racing from Lawton Speedway and the Devil's Bowl Speedway. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy the races. Bye-bye. Hashtag open red.